0: A mondo podcast with Kathy, Mark, and Burke talking about movies, horror, sci-fi, unusual, unknown, forgotten, underappreciated, always interesting.
1: How's everybody doing?
0: I'm good. Good. <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm watching a I'm lot of movies. Su- Are you really? No.
2: Oh <laughs> come on.
0: I'm trying. <laughs>
2: on that's i'm watching
0: a lot too i'm not watching a lot of good but i'm watching a lot i'm getting into documentaries for some reason
1: they're so addicting i mean there's a lot of good ones too so um but usually they're it's a movie or solid times is now like a four-part or six-part thing so it's a more of a time (laughs) commitment than uh, just a two-hour movie
0: yeah yeah with a series now i mean series are the new movies i guess and and when you commit to watching a movie it's like okay it's an hour and something you know maybe 2 hours or whatever but now when you commit to watch something it's like okay this is going to be you know 24 hours this is an entire day of my life that i'm going to give to this particular entertainment product
1: it's, well, sometimes it's interesting, like you know, a series, and you and you start watching it. Oh, you go, oh, it's only forty-two minutes. You know, like it's, right. a, it's a network show. I go, that's <laughs> cool. And then some shows, like are like an hour and five minutes. Like, holy cow! Okay, yeah, this is you know, this is you know, forty percent more movie. Get 40, some food. Content. Yeah. So. <laughs> Well, I'm feeling a lot better than uh, the uh, yesterday we were going to do this and uh, thankfully we didn't because I took Nyquil the night before and oh. I, which I never do because I said I'm going to take a little Nyquil cuz I wasn't sleeping and boy that gives you a hangover the whole next day.
0: Yeah, yeah. I but
2: think we need to do an episode of Mark's Nyquil hangover episode. Oh, I was we're all, all on Nyquil. <laughs> I was a miserable you know just a grump yesterday. Yeah. So
1: I was very happy that hey let's take a day off. I feel so much better. I'm all, my old self.
2: When I when I suggested like maybe we should do this tomorrow so I can, you know, do some more research on this movie and then quickly. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ten seconds later, oh God, ah, Okay out.
1: then
0: <laughs> So we all watched this movie that um who who first brought this up? Was it Mark? Did you did you discover this one?
1: This was a film that was um I heard about last fall and then oh. uh it was supposed to be on Amazon, but it was pulled because they, they thought they might give it a theatrical release um, or limit, some sort of limited release, and it actually played in drive-ins uh, across the theater, which is like 20 drive-ins. It played at 20 drive-ins. Oh. And it played for about a week or two, and then it, it uh, came on recently on Amazon Prime called The Vast of Night, which is a... Um, a ultra low budget film shot in Texas, um, set in New Mexico, directed by a gentleman who this is his first film. He did a, he's done a lot of industrial and promotional films, so he kind of knows how to make a movie or make make a short film. But this is his first feature. His name is Andrew Patterson, and. Uh, you know, so I was excited to watch it, and uh, because I heard some interesting things about it, it, it won some awards at TIFF and some other film festivals. So it had some interesting buzz. So, um, so that's why I said, let's check it out.
0: Yeah, should we roll the trailer?
2: Number, please.
0: WOTW Radio in Cayuga, New Mexico, and this is the news for the hour. What would you like to tell us about yourself? I don't know. Well, aren't you like some big science girl? Tell me about science. Everett, it's Faye, and the sound came through the board and interrupted your radio show. What is like. happening?
2: What's going on, Everett?
0: 718 here at WOTW. We got a sound we'd like to play that seems to be bouncing around the valley tonight. Yes, I have a story that might be helpful. I can tell you what's going on. The sound
1: we heard out in the desert. It was coming from thousands of feet higher than anything could
0: find. They've come here before. They've liked this place.
2: They always have. 5 p.m. and we may have something Did that don't need to be hey, We followed it from Colt Canyon. Faye!
0: Hey! Who's that? Who's Everett? Stop smiling. Well, what's he doing here? He's helping me. Stop smiling. Get in! It's out, it's out of town! Come on, come on, come on! Hey, come on! Something's
1: up there now. is something talking. something talking.
2: There's something in the sky.
0: It's an unusual film. It's not like, um, it's not what I was expecting.
2: Well, you know, it's Raz is my berries. Any, any yeah. movie that has that line in it. <laughs> <comes across laughs> me. But, you know, I, I think the trailer was really effective. I think it gives it a, a cool kind of slow burn, like, uh, feel that mm-hmm. I think the movie pretty much delivers on, you know, and I, I like the uh, emphasis on that. It's kind of old school '50s style, you know. You can tell by this just by the wardrobe itself. I mean, her right. glasses are just. I want those glasses. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they were great glasses. They were yeah. so good. Um, and it just, you know, and it's funny how it just made it seem really fresh to have it set in the fifties. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think that's a really cool idea. So I think if you're going into it looking for a modern film but made about the fifties, sci-fi, I think that's a, a really cool way to market this movie, which is what it is. Um, and the poster, well, I can go into the posters, but let's hear what it's about first.
1: Well, it is set in the late fifties, and it's set in small town America. It's a town called Cayuga, New Mexico, and it's all set it takes place at night. And it's about this town that um, is all excited about the big high school basketball game. So, pretty much every all the inhabitants, all all the residents are at the at the gym watching this basketball game, except for our two main characters. Uh, Everett and Faye. Everett is a a radio DJ at the local radio station, and Faye works the switchboard, so they have these night jobs. And so we see them going through town, and the movie focuses on what they hear while while what she hears when she's taking a call uh, at her switchboard. And she's going... So it's a very odd, kind of weird-sounding thing. And so... She, like a signal sure.
0: or a message, like a like an audio track or something that's like this. Yeah,
2: bzz- just, bzz- we should right. play that little sound. Can we? Can we just plug in that little weird sound? Yeah. Now I feel like I'm in the movie. Yeah. Ah, there's a spirit sound interrupting our podcast. <laughs> Well, it, it, and so I mean, the whole overall
1: feeling there is like you're you're listening to some late night radio show, and you hear this weird. Like sometimes you know, you're driving across the country, or you hear that, and it's just a very odd sensation. So that movie, this movie, really, really, you know, handles that very well. But she calls up her, you know, uh, Jake. I mean, not Jake, uh, Everett, at the radio station to play this, and so he plays it on the air. And, like, can, does anybody know anything about this sound, you know? And that's where the movie kind of goes. And we hear that there's something about this sound, that maybe there's something happening in this town that's um, from another, you know, otherworldly. So, but they
0: sort of, um, yeah. I mean, it, the premise is one of those things that is that is kind of like a Twilight Zone episode called The Monsters Are Due on Maple Street, remember? Where mm-hmm. there's this assumption, and you kind of get the impression, it's like, are they overreacting? Is this just... Is this sound just some sort of construction that's nearby, or something that they're fixing the the phone lines and and they're making all these assumptions? Because at the beginning of the film, she is discussing having read an article about the future in uh, you know Popular Mechanics or what whatever the name of it was in the movie. But yeah. she's saying, well, people in the future are going to have you know electric cars that are going to and basically you talk
2: about Elon Musk.
0: <laughs> yeah, but yeah, she's and, fascinated and with. Yeah. and the iPhone yeah, yeah. and he's like well i don't a television phone i don't i don't I lo- think I people are going to carry a little television yeah. around in their pockets <laughs> yeah. but yeah maybe that other that stuff
2: that so great
0: but it's um, but you can tell they're already kind of into sci-fi they're already both of them nerds you know they both work in these audio industries and he's he's um set up they set up his character as the smart you know nerdy electronics guy cuz he's setting up the sound system for the basketball game and and then he works at the radio station, so he kind of knows his business about you know audio waveform frequencies, and he's mystified by the sound and and they're running around. It's it's an interesting thing. The the, um, the it's one of those things where where the way it's shot gives you a real good feeling for where everybody is in this town, and it's such a small town that everybody's kind of close. You know, it's like several blocks. But you literally get to see what the layout of this town. You know, you know where the gym is relative to the radio station and relative to her switchboard place. Yeah, the phone. There's
1: a great, there's a great line by her where she like she later in the movie she she goes, oh my god, I have to do something, and she just starts running down right. the street really fast. And then he pulls up and goes, get in the car, you know. And she gets in, and he goes. She goes. I don't need a car. I run. I walk everywhere in town. Yeah, you know. It was yeah. like, yeah, that's so telling. You know. Yeah,
2: that like, was just her default. It Was like when she had to go somewhere, she just took off. Starts running, which was a really funny little little uh, character trait. It I was like. a yeah.
0: beautiful thing. I thought it was almost poetic because you, you mm-hmm. what you're doing. I mean, the the whole point of having this set in the fifties is is a bit of the nostalgia vibe. But it didn't do the cliches, which is interesting. You know, they didn't have you know rock and roll records playing and you know rock around the clock and Elvis mm-hmm. records, and it, it wasn't a pop culture version of the fifties. Where, whereas that seems to be the thing that filmmakers and storytellers sort of telegraph: okay, we're in the fifties now.
1: This wasn't Back to the Future, 50s. right?
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's not like they walk out into the streets and there's you know Les Paul and Mary Ford playing, and you know it's. Yeah. It was a, it was like a more to me a more realistic 50s. It's like this is you know how it was. They were just people like us. They weren't always listening to rock and roll 45s on the jukebox and Bobby Soxers, you know, they weren't all those cliches. There's no Fonzie in this movie, you know? <laughs>
1: no, but there is that sense of paranoia because Sputnik already happened, yes. you know? And so there's like, what is what is this noise? Is this the Soviets? Is this something else? This is the military. Yeah. So you get this, permi- this this sense of like, what is happening outside of this small town that will affect them? And the rest of the movie is about that. It's about their relationship. Like what we have to figure out what the sound is and, you know, getting clues, bits and pieces, phone calls, interviews. So there's a, there's so much to talk about this film but that's the that is the gist of it and I think it has a very satisfying conclusion and it's just a, it's a winner from start to finish but we can talk about that more later. Yeah, you know.
2: I was looking at uh the marketing for the movie, you know, um sometimes, you know, a lot of uh companies they lose their nerve when it comes to for some reason sci-fi movies just freak out marketing and, and right. you know studios. They don't want things to look too sci-fi. You hear that a lot. Yeah. They're afraid to repel an audience that you know might like the movie because they'll think it's too sci-fi. But I'm like, but. Sci-fi movies are some of the biggest films in existence. Yeah. So I never understood why you wouldn't want it to look sci-fi. Um, but they seem to kind of make it look pretty accurately like soft sci-fi. Like it's sort of from the outside experience of like, is something happening or not? We have to just you know uncover this mystery. Like you're not sure. You're not like – you don't feel like it's Star Wars where you're on another planet. You know, You're firmly on Earth. You see these people trying. And I think realistically – Discovering this strange otherworldly thing, they're not sure if it's real or not. I think that's a cool, um, you know, sort of direction that the movie takes. That the trailer pretty makes pretty clear. And then the posters are um, there's. I found three posters. Uh, the official art is um, a blue poster. That's it's pretty standard fare. And you know, it's um, it's not a '50s poster, which would have been really cool. I'm surprised they didn't want to do something like that. But they basically have two heads. Um, flanking you know uh, flanking either side of the radio station and then there's a light shining down on it which is you know the light shining down is kind of a, a sci-fi trope when you you know you're talking about abduction movies you know alien abduction um, and it's kind of got a star field it's tasteful but it doesn't look like it's in the 50s really. Uh, and it's, you know, monotone blue tones. What's odd about most of this is there's no copy lines on any of this. There's no explanation of what The Vast of Night is, which I think is kind of an odd title, Mm-hmm. And that there's no copy saying was it real or was it you know their imagination or you know some kind of copy line would make you wonder what the movie's about. You really don't know what it is. It's a little confusing, I think.
0: Well, it could be. Uh, a, I mean, when you look at the image, it could be some sort of intrigue, spy kind of thing. Like, are they picking yes. up messages from the yeah. Russians, or you know, or is this right. World War World War Two or something? I mean, you can't. You don't really get a whole lot from the poster in, unless you kind of know what it is. And the vast of night is all of it is. To me, it was a little bit of an awkward title because I was thinking, shouldn't it be the vastness of night? But it's more of a poetic yeah. word, the vast of night. I don't know; it's sort of a line of poetry or something. Yeah,
2: and they they uh, they they pair a film by Andrew Patterson with the title, even though he really has no creds beyond right. this film. Like they they lean hard on the fact you're supposed to kind of know who he is, which we don't. Um, and then there's a a second poster that it, it looks it has um it's black and white i mean clearly they they didn't have a special shoot for this this all looks like shots from the film so they didn't do a special gallery which i'm not sure why any films ever made without a special shoot but whatever um <laughs> But they pull, and you know, it kind of makes sense to make this a little grittier, but it, this one really looks like a spy movie where it's black and white, super gritty. Um, it it has a foreground of um, Everett in the, in the foreground. You don't know what he's doing. He just looks like he's studying something. And then they have the little tiny radio station down there. And then the same Vast of Night, no no copy. Again, directed by Andrew Patterson. Very cool, but... Still don't know what it is. Right. They have a little light shining down from the sky, and you know that part's not gritty. The the grit's change, which is a kind of strange design choice. But and there's no credits on these except for um, this one, which was a Midnight Marauder. I'm not sure who that is. They do little smart art house posters. I don't know if that's just something they do on the side. Mm. Um, and then there's a little art housey one that's very graphic, very fun, um, where it's bright pink, kind of magenta with uh, s- some circles kind of coming out from the the radio station that make it look a little more like a 50s poster but they don't fully commit to it because right. it's obviously just a high con photo so so they kind of everything's sort of right in the middle of an idea not quite fully committed to any ideas um i'm kind of i'm disappointed they didn't have kind of a 50s style kind of poster i think that would have been fun but i think it's serviceable yeah they 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 make big heads of actors you've never seen before. They right. don't even credit the actors. Um, but, you know, they both have cool glasses and they, they're attractive young cast. So <laughs> that's what they're going with, I guess. So that's what we have on the marketing uh, front. And they have a couple of quotes, one from Film Comment and one from Rolling Stone. Brilliant and ingenious, which, you know, is pretty true. You know, it's a very uh, ingenious film. So there's our marketing for the day.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I'm bad? not. I'm not too blown away by the marketing honestly i like the one with the radiating rings coming out of the radio station but again it's like what this what is this about you know i i I hate to talk like this but i probably would not have seen this movie if mark you know had not said watch this movie (laughs) just looking at the ads for it i'm if i hadn't seen it i'd look at this and say oh this is going to be something about people i don't know some kind of radio station movie i don't know
2: like, i do like this as coming soon to drive-in theaters i think that's right. a cool little but again you have the coming soon to drive-in theaters yet you didn't make it look like a drive-in movie it like just a, has a very standard you know 90s looking movie
0: like a sci-fi it should look i mean i don't know it shouldn't should what should or shouldn't but it, it should look like a science fiction movie you know like a 50s sci-fi movie which i don't I know i think
2: they uh, a lot of uh uh, um, studios think blue looks sci-fi. Right, so. right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's
2: what we got. We got blue because it's sort of sci-fi looking. I've heard that um, before.
1: Well, I know yeah. the movie was self-financed. Like it was, it was all that it was, it was put up by Patterson and his friends or whatever. And so, but I know Amazon picked it up. So I wonder if Amazon, you know, who knows how that works? You know better than me, Kathy. How that works with the advertising and marketing budget of something? Oh, no, like
2: Amazon that. did it for sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely. definitely. So they probably no, they, Amazon they probably, did it through. Yeah. Yeah, they probably farmed. They probably farmed it out to an agency, but there's no credit on the agency yet that I could find. But I'm sure it was one of the agencies around town that I know about, but I don't know who did it.
1: One of the one of the things I loved about this movie was how interesting the sound was and the soundtrack with the music. Uh, the music was done by Eric Alexander and Jared Balmer. What do you think? You know, you're our resident music guy, Burke. What did you think of the soundtrack? I thought the sound the,
0: soundtrack, the the, the sound or the soundtrack, the sound or, de- but, design the sound yeah. design was interesting. I thought it, one I mean, this is a total sound design quibble, but I thought that the, that the sound itself from from the ether could have been a little bit more distinctive, a little bit more identifiable as a distinctive sound. It, to me, it just sounded like interference, and there wasn't anything like, "Whoa, what's that about it?" You know what I mean
2: It Not had a. Enough.
0: Not eerie enough. Yeah. Like there's some some movies about the mysterious alien sound where it's it's like creepy and like, wow, what a what a great sound. But this one was just sort of um I don't know, it didn't have a personality didn't seem kind, to, of
1: mechan- kind of mechanical kind of like a machine sort of like thumping along or something or
0: yeah it could have been I'm, a lot of times um you know when if people that operate radios and things they hear things like that and they're like oh well that's the kidney dialysis machine at the hospital that creates this yeah. radio you know so it could have been that and it could have been yeah. but if it had been something that sound sa- cuz they were talking in the film i think they mentioned a few times that uh one of the one of the characters in the film who exists in the film as a storyteller which we can talk about later says something about it being communications between these aliens or something there's they're, that's how they speak to each other and it could have been really a bizarre sound that could have played into the trailers you know, you're talking about promotion that would have been kind of a cool thing is remember that show the outer limits which this also has a has a sure little bit of a connection to was mm-hmm. that that tone at the beginning of the outer limits it said there's nothing wrong with your television set we have assumed control that was a creepy sound yes and it yes. had a personality and it kind of had a you know when you hear that sound you're like okay something is scary now yeah but that's a quibble you know but but the actual the soundtrack the score of this film i thought was fantastic i thought it was beautiful there was um yeah. it was really well done it's um and really moody, really evocative and it wasn't one th- again it wasn't like 19 it wasn't 50s it was something else it it had it didn't it didn't sound like modern it didn't sound anachronistic like they were putting you know hip hop music to to a 50 you know in the 50s or something <laughs> it had its own vibe you know and it had a it had a feel to it that could be 50s you know i mean it worked in that context in the small town w- without being a cliched you know, without being
1: without a theremin, you know, right? That's, without that's, well,
0: that would have been kind of cool, yeah. but <laughs> but um, without, yeah, without that, and without having you know, rock around the clock with Alex Haley yeah. or you know, yeah.
1: Now I I thought um, uh, I thought the soundtrack was. I actually saw the movie twice because I, I just wanted to see it, see it again on a big screen as opposed to my laptop. And I love this. The, the second time around, I said, "Man, the music is really something. It's interesting and different and." So there's a lot of cinematic stuff in this movie. Then there's a lot of stuff that's not cinematic or it's just like very, it's it's just different. So we can talk about that, but I thought the music was just perfect for it. I loved it.
0: Yeah. And technically there was some amazing stuff in this, in this film. There's um, the cinematographer um, is credited as M I Litton men's and, I I have no idea who that is and but he or she did an amazing job in <laughs> this film with the budget. There's yeah. some really wow shots in it. You know, there's one in particular that starts mm. in indoors in in the uh, switchboard room and it it's a continuous shot that literally goes with her to the door, out the door, down the street of the of the main street of this small town through yards, backyards, hedges, up backyards, out through the hedge, through the gate, through across the street, down the street back to the first location we we arrived at at the very beginning of the film, the gymnasium where this basketball game is happening. We go inside the gymnasium into the basketball game in and around the basketball game. All You see all these period-dressed people in the stands all clapping and the guys sitting there announcing. And then it goes up the bleachers, through all the people, out the window, down into the street again, through the streets again to the radio station where the phone rings and he answers the phone and then we have a cut. But that shot was so beautifully done and mm-hmm. so seamless and required... Uh, you know, the people in the gymnasium to be ready and acting when the camera arrives. So many technical things about that, that, uh, you know, it, obviously the camera went out and then got onto some kind of a vehicle very seamlessly. I,
1: I, well, here's what I can, I can tell you because I heard, read an interview. Oh, okay. Motorcycle? A go kart.
0: The go kart, okay.
1: A 17 year old kid in a go kart. He, he mounted the camera to that and the go kart went. You know the first part of it, i don't know how they went from the go-kart then i obviously had to get off the go-kart go into the gym i think it's just go very good steadicam bleachers yeah i've seen guys yeah.
0: do the thing where they have the steady cam and they go out a door and then uh, you know there's a there's a i've seen it done with golf carts actually on back lots yeah. you know yeah. but where the guy will get on a on the golf cart and then the golf cart will will take a certain route and then start to slow down and he'll sort of runningly get off the golf cart and head through a building, a door, in a building, and you have to be really skilled to do that without it jarring and jumping, and yeah. without being able to say, "Okay, there's where he got off the go- the, the go kart."
2: <laughs> well, the other kind of wrinkle to that that I noticed, and I kept trying, I was wondering if that was ended up was going to be a thing in the film. Is that the camera is very low, like it's almost like it's dog level, right? And I kept thinking. Are we like the perspective of some creature or something that's small? Because yeah. it would be easy for a guy with a big steady cam to run around, but it was so low to the ground for most of it. I felt like we were running along the ground. And I, I kept trying to figure out what that could entail. I don't think it meant anything particularly, but I thought that was an even harder trick to pull off because not only are you doing this incredibly long, you know, camera through all these different environments, is that you're also low to the ground that isn't a natural perspective which I thought was kind of... It wasn't just eye level. It was very strange.
0: I think, it, same just, in the I think it just uh-huh. looks a little bit more dramatic when it's lower because you can you can actually yeah. see the surface a little bit better and you can see the movement very dramatically across the bottom of the, of the camera, of the screen. But, you know, there's another film that you may have heard of, you guys, that was uh, made similarly with uh, low budget and by a director who kind of pulled a bunch of money together. That had really impressive cam stuff in it. That re- this reminded me of. Remember Evil Dead? And Evil of Dead course. Two had all those yeah. great zooming cameras into the cabin and oh, stuff. Sure. It's um, it it's a it's a style. It's a technique that sort of implies something, you know. And and that was a, a little bit of a quibble I had about it being used in this film the way it was. Was it really? All it really did was it impressed me (laughs) with the technical coolness of it. It didn't seem to be saying anything, though, about the story. It was taking me through this town and showing me the town, showing me the relationship between the gymnasium, her switchboard office, and his radio station. But it didn't ultimately tell, it wasn't in the service of a story as much as it was just showing me
1: it was showy, but that was, um, I, you know, I'm a sucker for it. So yeah, uh, me it too. I right. loved it. Yeah, And also, also to me, it gave it, like you mentioned earlier, uh, a feeling of how, how small this town is and where the switchboard operator, you know, the downtown is to the the gym or the high school to the radio station, which yeah. is sort of the three ma- yeah. main uh, sets of the film. So that gave I like me a sense too, because- of the setting of the movie, of the setting of the yeah. town.
2: I think, too, it made the connection more physical because I think because they were on the phone and on the radio, it's all this in the air, you know, disassociation, like they're separated by a phone and a, and a radio station. But when you take the physicality of going from the phone, you know, the switchboard running along the ground to the radio station, you get a real feel for the physicality of how they were connected, which I thought was a cool um, little trick to just show that it wasn't just like cutting back and forth to them talking and not knowing where they were in their space so not only did it establish it i feel like it gave a physicality to their connection and i think it also the whole film has these it starts with these kind of long these shots that were kind of far away like full-length shots of the cast and the camera's following them there's these big long shots of them walking down the street and it's far away and it's doing the same thing these panning shots And I think as the film kind of is winding up, it's getting closer and closer and you're seeing them inside their spaces. You're getting tighter and tighter. And I think they, they bring that physicality of the distance getting closer and closer together where they finally team up and then they're a team. And then, you know, I think that, you know, cinematically and um, conceptually was a very cool idea to show their distance. And then they're, they're coming together. I
0: thought that was very well done. But you were seeing that, that low angle thing as, as some sort of portent of, of, a character or a part of the story being like this is the point of view of something and in the evil dead films where it was used as this yeah. is the evil force racing towards and it literally mm-hmm. ran right into the character's face or into his mouth i think and and you, you get the impression that this is an entity this is a you know this is a thinking sentient thing that we're seeing the perspective of but in this one it kind of wasn't it was just Showing us the plays, and there were a few other tricks that were interesting, and and, and I thought, oh, this is going to mean something. This is going to take us somewhere. This is going to tell us. This is telling us something. Where they would show the events in the film a, as if it were in a television series, it, it, like a Twilight Zone te- television series. And they even had an intro with a Rod Serling impersonator. You know. To make it look like this is an episode... Paradox of, Theater. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like this is an episode of Paradox Theater. And they really kind mm-hmm. of did a riff on the Twilight Zone thing. And they had certain scenes in done in black and white. And then it sort of fades into realism, reality. You know, 1920 by 1080, normal HD. <laughs> and... I started thinking in the film, I was thinking, is this going to end up where these people are sort of trapped in a, you know, it, to have it be kind of like a Twilight Zone episode where there's one of those big mind bending, oh my God moments where suddenly you realize these people are trapped in this television series and they're doing the same thing over and over and, or something like that, you know, like there's some reason for it to be, to be, um, couched in that language of old television you know like here i, I kind of didn't understand why that was being done
1: well uh i have some thoughts but why don't we take a quick break and then we'll come and get delve into that more does that sound good yes okay, okay we'll be back after this today is a great day to start your own podcast whether you're looking for a new marketing channel, have a message you want to share with the world, or just think it would be fun to have your own talk show. Podcasting is an easy, inexpensive, and fun way to expand your reach online. Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be online and listed in all major podcast directories, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, google podcasts and more
2: What what's and more mean i would like you know we also have radio public which i love because they give you like a couple pennies when people listen so yeah. people should listen on radio public more radio now public. I'm, I'm becoming a radio public ad during my buzzsprout ad
1: <laughs> we that's what i listen to when i listen to a podcast i got a radio public i, like I do radio public. It's, it's right on my phone <laughs> So it goes to Radio Public and those other <laughs> ones within minutes of finishing your recording.
2: But it does even those obscure ones. Like, you, you know, you can it'll publish them automatically, which is awesome.
1: And you get a couple pennies per listen. Yeah. How much are we up to?
2: Like a dollar.
1: <laughs> oh, shit. We'll edit that out.
0: Turn when that do I get my cut is what I want to know.
1: <laughs> you can get your 30 cents tomorrow. 33 cents.
0: You please. guys are splitting it up already, aren't you? And you're not telling
2: me? But, you know, there are financial considerations for Buzzsprout, too, because if you get a paid subscription through our paid service through the link on our information on our... I'm making this sound really complicated. (laughs) What in
0: the world are you talking
2: about?
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's so easy, Buzzsprout. It's like inviting me to Benjamin here. It's tasty, too.
2: (laughs) (laughs) If you follow the link in our notes that lists Buzzsprout, They'll know that we sent you, and you get a $20 gift card from Amazon if you pay up. Pay for it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's good. No. That's a win-win. Ads. No. So you, you want... Kathy's yeah.
0: just so thrilled about that I'm deal. I'm just so
2: excited. I can't get it straight.
1: Between Radio Public and a gift card?
2: It's shut up already. Life is good.
1: <laughs> well, you know, podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners, and the team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. Join over a hundred thousand podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. Let's create something
0: great together. Cool. Do it. Do it with us. No, do it. We're not. We're not the type of people who would normally do a podcast, are we? I think anyone can do a podcast.
2: <laughs> anyone can. Obviously. Honestly. It's, it, clearly, we... it's
0: very easy. <laughs> it's
2: barely not hard, <laughs> and you don't have to be good.
0: <laughs> you just have to be alive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's like a, it's a thing if you really have something that you're you know that you know a lot about and you're an expert you love talking about. You could do a podcast. You're going to find somebody that wants to hear it.
1: Yeah. And you're going to you do it with friends or, or family or whatever. And then you just, it's a it's a great time. And once you start getting feedback from your listeners, yeah, it just starts becoming like a real thing.
0: That's like the cool it, part.
1: Yeah, and like, it
2: feeds itself because we get cool suggestions from listeners. And they give us things to talk about. And like anything they mention or ideas they have, we can incorporate into the show. So it becomes this living, breathing thing. Mm-hmm. And so you want to keep at the creative. And you don't have to worry about all the tech shit bus Buzzsprout will take care of. For you. So, you just, I just want that stuff to be as easy as possible. Yeah. And when I have a question, I want someone to answer it quickly and they do that.
0: I need it to be easy because otherwise it's not going to happen.
2: Not going (laughs) to (laughs) happen. Better be easy. And it is.
1: Yeah. So, Buzzsprout.com for all your podcasting needs. Yes.
2: $20. (laughs) (laughs) Buzzsprout.com.
1: All right. We're back talking about the vast of night well i mean let's just go the movie does start uh with kind of the shot of this sort of uh uh living room that we focus in on this old you know old tv and it starts you know and it's it's saying uh, paradox theater yeah yeah predicta (laughs) um and the episode of the paradox Theater, and it's a Rod Serling impersonator, kind of having the same intro, but it's you know obviously different uh, uh, different script. And then the episode is titled "The Vast of Night," and then we go right into the right into the quote unquote show. So I don't know if that really worked or not for me. That framing, I thought it was kind of fun and interesting. Uh, and at the end of the movie there's sort of like it says like it's a production of something or other right. it sort of ends that way <clears throat> so yeah it doesn't really play to the actual story the story is is like an episode of this fake show called paradox theater but uh, yeah it didn't, that didn't go anywhere it was more kind of like showing showing off or just kind of a nod to the fact that they're probably fans of the twilight zone
0: right you or know? that they wanted this to have that kind of um that sort of mind-bending, you know. There was a thing about those shows. I think the two most popular anthology science fiction shows were, in my opinion, I guess, would be the Twilight Zone and the Outer Limits, and they both had that vibe. You know, that sort of '60s, '50s. You know, people were freaking out about Sputniks and spacemen and and flying saucers and the Cold War and all those, all these weird techno- technology-based. Threats, and this one was kind of one of those technology things where you know it starts off where they're talking about the future that they read in Popular Mechanics, and it's about the spacemen. But you know what's funny is they never they never in the film say flying saucers or UFOs or aliens or spacemen. They they um, talk about it in other terms, almost as if those terms hadn't been yet pulled into popular terminology. Exactly. Like, they were saying the people from up there, up there in the sky, really high up in the sky, like, almost not—they never—I don't even know if they said outer space or space— they were just no. Saying, they said the, sky, the
1: sky, the sky. something in the sky. There's yeah. something in the sky. Which it's it a very fresh way of saying something. I was kind of like it was interesting because I think they're trying to avoid all the tropes of, of of a UFO invasion. We've seen those, you know. Right. They tried to make it fresh, and that was one of the things that they're, they're not using the term UFO or aliens. It's like or they don't know saucers. what that is. Yeah. Flying saucer but there's a, a couple of obvious knots to the twilight zone like the town is called cayuga
0: right and right. that was
1: the name of that was the name of the uh, production company of the twilight zone at the yep. end of the twilight zone it was cayuga productions and everett sloan is who's, who's the character the uh, the dj he, he was a 50s character actor who was in a, a bunch of twilight zone episodes that yeah was his, that was his real name uh and, and then uh the station, which I thought was kind of interesting, the call letters to the radio station. And this is set in New Mexico. Of course, everything west of the Me- New Mexico, the call letters start with K. Yes. K, yes. whatever. This was W-O-T-W. Yeah. Which to me was right to like War of the Worlds. Yes. Like, I said what so there's yep. a lot of this kind of fun stuff winking at the camera, which I you know I eat that shit up. I yeah. just like it, so <laughs> I'm cool with it. You know, even though it doesn't really make sense, but in this world, it's kind of fun. I this noticed TV, the War
0: of the Worlds thing for sure.
1: Yeah. W O T W. Yeah. But isn't I? Well, the things I liked about the movie, it starts out with this lot these long shots of them talking, and you really can't hear him too well because he's smoking a cigarette. He's kind of mumbling. And it's almost like a, you know, uh, his gal Friday, kind of like you really have to pay attention. What are they really talking about? Yes, a lot, a lot of talking, a lot of this, that, that. You don't really know what's happening, and then as the movie goes on, it becomes a lot quieter, a lot slower, to the point where there's scenes where he's talking to Billy, the guy on the radio, where it, the, the screen goes completely black. Yeah, like I liked that.
2: I loved it because I felt like that's how we heard stories back yes. then over the radio. Like to me that was a pure radio experience where Absolutely. they cut to black. You got to hear this guy on the radio as you know, you're not watching the guy's reaction, you're hearing it all through the black screen. I thought that was a very cool. Idea. And it came back and then it goes back again. I felt like, like it, did it was like almost weird blackouts.
0: Yeah, I felt like it was almost like the camera was closing its eyes just so it could listen. And
1: ah, yeah, the it was, um it was, like the way you would... gutsy call to do that. I mean, Absolutely,
0: I'm yeah. yeah. But you know, there's another thing we were talking about—the vibe of Twilight Zone and Outer Limits and shows like that. There was another anthology show that was a bit scarier than those that I used to listen to on the radio. And I'm not a thousand years old. This was done when I was a little kid, but they were still doing radio dramas into the into the 80s. You know. And there was this thing called the CBS Radio Mystery Theatre,: Absolutely.: And that, yeah, that used to two two. That used to flip me out. It was so scary. And well, it,
1: it's, night, it's nighttime. Yes. it's just your imagination, it's just sound effects and actors talking, dialogue. And it just took you off, and that's what I, I, totally that's what that, that whole uh, conversation between Everett and Billy yes, the guy on the phone, is, was just a radio program. For and like the, and the old lady
0: they go visit, yeah. too. She tells the, the story. the old lady, the yeah. same
2: thing. And it was gripping stuff. Yeah. I mean, Those I, were the I was, highlights. Yep. I thought the the Billy scene where he calls, yeah. I thought that you never saw him. Yeah. And I thought his story was so, like, I got goosebumps listening to yeah. that. It was so well done and so creepy. And that at that moment, I felt like the movie got a lot bigger and creepier than it had until then. Like, all I, of a sudden, you feel like, oh, my God, what are we going to see? What is happening? Like, it had a great effect on the entire
0: film. It was so well done. And it and was fact like you were saying, it was very experimental. It's like you know, a, a risk. Like seriously, you're going to turn off the camera, literally go to black while a person is just talking, and it's like, yes, and yes, it worked.
1: <laughs> and he goes back to it because they go to him, they go to Everett in the in the radio for a couple of minutes, and then they go back oh, yes. to the black where Billy's talking. And the fact that he, you know. He mentions the fact that he's black. You know, he's black, and that like the reason we were doing this detail because we were black and with a, a lot of uh, Latinos because nobody would believe them. That yeah. was like really chilling. Yeah, and, like wow, it's really and just wow, it just got to me, you know,
2: very, yeah. And then the only way he was going to get that story out was by to go on this radio, because I'm sure no one was going to listen to him because he wasn't a white man. Right. That, that story wouldn't be taken seriously. And then I thought it was another interesting choice that the other big, you know, monologue was the older woman in her house. First of all, that was super creepy. They walk in and she goes, just come in. And I'm you know, don't know what to expect. (laughs) And you hear saying the, the strange, you know, language while they're walking in, like she's practicing this language and the funny part was i feel like there was another moment of like no one was going to listen to her because she's just a woman first of all no one would believe her and then by the time she was done and she's like just take me with you and he's like out of here gotta yeah. go like they kind of defied what you thought was going to happen is that like they meet this woman she tells him this incredibly heart, you know this heart-wrenching story and it's like take me with you and he's like bye it <laughs> just really abruptly leaves yeah and that was creepy and so that that's sort of where the movie starts really taking off because until then it's sort of this nice slow burn and you hear this creepy story it starts ratcheting it up a little bit more and the phone calls were creepy like they're coming in like people kind of screaming going send this guy it's in the sky and then they just cut off yeah and it all had almost a creepy almost found footage feel to it where it felt very real like a nine one one call or something and then they keep kind of you don't expect it because they they keep they keep soothing you with these funny characters and they're you know this distant kind of filming in a very fluid soothing way and then they start kind of just putting the the, the tighter and tighter screws to the film in general and then it has that great ending which we all also- give away
1: we <laughs> won't give that away, but there's also the, you know, there's the long shots, but then there's some scenes where there's a lot of quick editing. Like when he's when he's working the uh, radios, you know, going from the, the, the phonograph to this and stuff, like a lot of quick editing, which was really cool. I love the 9 minutes s- sequence with her at the switchboard. I yes. thought that was really fantastic. Like, she just knew what she was doing. Like, yeah, yeah I've, I've always seen these things, but how do they really work? And yeah. at the end of it, you go, okay, I can see how you would work the switchboard. I thought that was fascinating. You know, I I calls. did
0: um I did props for many many years and I worked with so many actors with props who had to do what we used to call business. Like, okay, you got to do some business with this prop. And I could tell by watching that scene that she would be so great to work with as a as a prop person, you know? Because <laughs> she obviously Practiced with the switchboard plugs because she wasn't missing, you know, she was, and the way she was unplugging him and putting them back in the thing and plugging them, like she she's done this a billion times. And a lot yeah. of actors would do that when they would get their props, they would go through and and play with them, and feel them, and and get the feel of it, and do the movement, and do the action, and you know, t- like when you watch Mister Sulu on Star Trek, and he's flipping buttons on the on the control panel, he's done that. He knows what those mean. <laughs> he had a he had it worked out. And she was. I feel
2: like you could see her mind working. Yes. Like when she's plugging it, you feel like she was solving a problem. It wasn't just like blindly plugging them in. You could see her like this goes in here, and I got to call this one, then I have to call this one. Like she's she's plugging them in and putting the pieces together while she was doing that. Right. Very specific. It didn't feel blind or random at all. Like it felt like she was really doing it connecting this to that
0: and connecting the pieces and but she i thought when i saw that i was like wow she's really good with the business really good with the prop (laughs) business you know she's and
1: and let let's uh her her name is uh sierra mccormick and i thought she was fantastic and so was jake horowitz who played ever i thought they were both like these are stars in the making to me i thought they really carried the movie
0: i think so i think they really did
1: And I loved her character. I loved every little thing about her. Like when she was really excited, she kind of just turned into this little kid, you know, Bobby Soxer, but she also was very strong. And uh, I loved, like, you know, she wanted to leave to go get her do- or her, uh, her sister. baby sister, but she still had the headphones connected. You know? Right. She had she to really stop yanks and put that back. <laughs> And then she's running really fast and hard, like, yeah. really, like, you know, moving it. And she's just really strong- I've never
2: seen anyone run with so much purpose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and her, her arms are like, <laughs> yeah,
1: I loved it. I just said, man, I just was, was kind amazing. of smiling watching those scenes of her running. I just thought it was just so so cinematic and it you know. was really
0: they i think what they were doing also was trying to give you time in that space you know where they let you live there for a bit which a lot of older films used to do a little bit more where they would let they would linger in these places and really give you the geography of the space that you're in and and when you get to know these people you really do start to feel for them you know you really got feelings for her you like her and you you know you like both of them and when she's running through the streets of this small town, after they've spoken about the future and how great the future is going to be, we're sitting here in the year 2020 going, you know, it's not going to be perfect. Let me warn you. <laughs> yeah. And they're they're living in this time where a lot of people have a lot of nostalgia for, like, wow, wouldn't it be great to go back and live in the 50s? And And they do kind of paint it as that sort of idyllic, you know, no technology, hardly any technology and... You know, you just run back and forth and you know, she hasn't been in a car very much and and it's all small town, really simple, natural kind of things. But then like you were saying, Kathy, when they talk to the guy on the phone and he says, Well, I'm black, so nobody would believe me, then you're like, Oh yeah. Okay, that's yeah. that's also yeah. a part of the fifties. That's also part of right. this beautiful idyllic. You know, nostalgia for the 50s that we always have. It's like, not necessarily, you know.
2: Not for everyone. Not for everyone. <laughs> not everyone was having a great time in the 50s.
0: Some of the people were were being, you know, and still are, but back yep. then, even more blatantly and horribly exploited yep. and, you know, marginalized and all that. That is a part of the 50s.
1: Yeah. So, overall, I mean, there's just a lot a lot for me to to, uh, to recommend it. I thought for, for a, a small, I don't know what the budget was, but it wasn't a large budget. They really, they, I mean, it looked like the 50s. I mean, they pulled it off the people talk like the 50s, like yeah. the older folks. It felt like, this really felt like a movie that was set, you know, in the late 50s. So, I said, you know, big thumbs up for me. I, I you know, the quibbles yeah. aside, here and there, They maybe they tried to do a little bit too much. I'm okay with it. Put more in if so, if all of it doesn't work, it's fine with me. Enough yeah. of it was great, you know. Yeah. So,
0: did I, you I guys was... feel like he was doing a bit of a Matthew McConaughey thing? Yeah, no, I didn't see that. Too who, much. who, Everett, Everett, the uh, main character, Jake? Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I thought he was. I don't know why.
1: Early on, he sounded like Brad Pitt to me. Oh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's who I got. Um. But, uh... He was, I mean, I think I totally bought him as this DJ yeah. who wanted to get the hell out of town and for bigger and better things, you know. Yeah. So
2: well, I like that he was kind of like the town star, right? And he yeah. kind of strutted around yeah. like the peacock, Like, he'd walk <laughs> in and everybody'd be ooing and awing And yeah, and he was just like this kid, right? Yeah, yeah. He's, know, he's, exactly. he's doing a radio show in the middle of the night, you know, and it's like he was yeah. like the celebrity and he's all like, ah, I'm gonna go to the big city soon. And you're just like, mm.
0: and didn't he set up their PA system or something and he's telling yeah, everybody was- how to operate it? And like, yeah,
2: know. he was hot asking yeah. him like you gotta come in and fix this <laughs> he was like the guy who came to everyone's rescue it was pretty right cute.
0: he's the electronics guy it was kind of that
2: guy. cool
1: little the cool little scene in the beginning when he goes under the bleachers and there's three old men trying to figure out you know yeah. why this is working that was just like <laughs> a weird throw-in yeah. scene but it was just so kind of evocative of what that would be like and that's an interesting scene to throw in like the claustrophobia of those small rooms or something it was
0: yeah yeah. See, that's
1: really smart filmmaking. So, and the interesting thing is, like Andrew Patterson directed it. He's not. The, his name is nowhere in the movie. There's no oh. credit for him. Oh, none. I watched I, the whole thing twice. There's no huh. credit.
2: Huh. That's very strange. Yeah. <laughs> he's trying to pull in Orson
1: Welles, like <laughs> in the Citizen Kane, where you know he's the last. You know, like there's no. You know, he's no directed by or- Orson Welles until right. the very last credit of the film. So I thought he was going to pull that, but he's not on he's not on the movie at all.
0: But Orson Wells did the thing. A good cast is worth repeating. And he gave him credits again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So
1: I don't think he'll be making promotional films anymore. I think he'll be making bigger movies. That's
0: my I am looking
2: forward to his next film, especially when he can do with even more money because this yeah. was pretty impressive.
0: It's stylish and it took chances. It took um you know the risks we were talking about. And it was It was interesting to me in that the story wasn't, um, I have to say that, you know, when you tell somebody the story of this, if you're just telling it, it it needs to be wrapped in this exact film. It needs to be filmed and told this way because otherwise it just, with a different filmmaker, I don't think it would have been as interesting because the story just is basically, you know, A to B kind of a story. It's kind of basically what at the end of it yeah, you kind of get what you're expecting all along and it's there's no there's no sort of mind-bending whoa moment, you know. But it's so fun to watch. A little bit. It's a little bit of a whoa. <laughs> I thought it was.
1: Yeah. I, I think the star. I think the star was the setting, the yeah. movement, sound, just the, the feel characters. of the movie was. The characters was like, wow, it's really evocative. Yeah. And it, it took me back to the, why I love shows like The Outer Limits and The Twilight Zone because this had that vibe. And they did it, you know, to do that in 2020 and still make it fresh, like an old, you know, this the story is old school. It's,
0: yeah.
1: You know. Aliens coming to a small town—it's been done a million times. Yeah, but it's, that's not—that's not the focus of the film. It's—it's it's, it's the, the, how we get there. Yeah, it makes it interesting. And so. who do
0: we believe? And is it real? And is this person just crazy? The, just think of
1: those CBS, you know, mystery—the the radio mystery—the yeah. way you felt watching, listening to those shows was yeah. in your, on your transistor in your bed late at night. That's this movie.
0: Yeah.
2: Yes. Good description. And I would yeah, think
1: definitely. it would work in a drive I would love to have seen it in a drive-in because yeah. that gives you some totally. sense, you know. Uh, I almost pulled it off, but I just could, couldn't could drive before
2: it. In <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm looking forward to seeing one of these movies at the drive-in. It would be cool. Uh, yeah. If that, uh, so, yeah, anyway, support I, it was... this little movie. Watch it. It's free on Amazon. You know, you can just watch it there. It's great. Give it some, some love.
0: Yes. Yeah. Support films Andrew like this Patterson. for sure.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, uh, the, and I think Sierra McCormick is going to be uh, bigger things for her and Jake yeah. Horowitz, two stars. I thought they were really good. Yeah. And Gail Cronauer, who played uh, Madge, what was her name? Mabel. Mabel Blanche. Yes. She's great. Yeah. In her 10 minutes, you know.
0: And Bruce yeah. Davis I don't know as who Billy. Played,
1: I don't know who played. He's fantastic. Yeah. He's yeah. so good.
0: Yeah. And like, just a voice.
1: Just a voice. Wow. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. A highlight. All right. Yep. Yes, we liked it very much. At least I did.
0: Yeah. This I is a, this is the total Cinemondo movie. It totally is. <laughs> yeah. It's
2: little. It's kind of obscure. It's weird. It's artful. Yeah. It takes it's, chances. Right. It's not super commercial. You need to watch it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: And you also need to check us out on social media. Yes. Twitter hashtag uh, CinemondoPod and of course on Facebook, our website CinemondoPodcast Instagram and all that good stuff because we're there and we answer. We, we post a lot of fun things and other movies that we never talk about that we'll just say, hey, give this a, give this a chance. And, um, and if there's movies that you like, let us know. Yep. And we'll talk about them.
2: Yes, yeah, please. write to us. Listen, Please, please write to us. <laughs> We're lonely. We love getting your letters, <laughs> emails, whatever they are. I still back in the fifties. Send me a letter.
0: <laughs> Post your notes to us immediately.
2: <laughs> I need some more letters in the yes. mail.
0: So until next time. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Cinnamon signing
2: off.